the Cell Phone Junkie Podcast, episode 335 for October 28th, 2012. Quarterly earnings show mixed results across the industry. Apple announces new iPads and get ready for the next Nexus. My name is Mickey Papillon. And I'm Joey Coppice. Brought to you each week with the help of listeners like you, subscribers to The Cell Phone Junkie Unlocked. More information at thecellphonejunkie.com. The show is also supported by The Cell Phone Junkie podcast application, available now for Android and the iOS for $1.99. Well, welcome to quarterly earnings season. Q3 results for most companies in 2012 have now been released, and we're going to hit the highlights. First off, AT&T on Wednesday. Wednesday reporting earnings for the period announcing a uh, 63 cent earnings per share on revenue of 31.5 billion dollars now overall AT&T took in 3.6 billion in profits during the quarter that's flat from a year ago total wireless revenues were up 6.6 percent to 16.6 billion service revenues were up 4.5 percent to 14.9 billion and data revenues were up 18.3 percent to 6.6 billion the numbers also show significant growth for iPhone sales there were a record 4.7 million iPhones uh, of the total 6.1 million smartphones that were activated. 44.5 million smartphones now are active on the network, meaning nearly 64% of postpaid subscribers now have an advanced device. The addition of 678,000 subscribers during the period puts the company at a total of 105.9 million subscribers. That's up from the 100.7 million a year ago. AT&T saw wireless revenues increase 6.6% and the ARPU has has grown 2.4% to $65.20. Churn for the quarter was 1.08%. That's a drop from 1.15% in the third quarter last year, but up from the sub 1%.97% in the second quarter. Then Sprint announcing their results during the period. They are the nation's third largest carrier still, announcing a net loss of $767 million on revenue of $7.3 billion. The loss is larger than the $301 million loss during the same period last year, but about half of the $1.4 billion loss that it had during the second quarter. During the period, Sprint added a net 410,000 subscribers and sold 1.5 million iPhones. However, those additions were outweighed by Nextel's platform uh, losses of 866,000 net postpaid subscribers. Uh, Sprint recaptured, though, 59% of leaving Nextel postpaid customers. That's 516,000 of them, but expects that the recapture rate will fall down to 45% in the fourth quarter and continue the downward trend into 2013. 40% of the iPhone sales went to new customers to the carrier, and 1 million devices were sold that had LTE-enabled capabilities in them. Churn increased two-tenths of a point to 1.88%. Boy, so that recapture rate on the uh, Nextel network isn't very good, and they're expecting to get worse. You know, it's really kind of... uh, It's terrible that Sprint wasn't able to capitalize on that Direct Connect feature and, and really run with it on the CDMA side of things. You know, they've they've... They promised the the, uh, the Android app, which I know came to a couple devices this upcoming week, but they promised this six, seven months ago that we'd have Android app direct connect for quite a few different Android phones. And, you know, the, the network seems fine because I got to use it with the Admiral, but it, it, they just, it took them way too long to get this thing announced. I mean, they, they launched this particular network that they're using now, what, almost two years ago? And... No devices support it. What are they going to expect here? How are they going to maintain these Nextel customers? It's it's kind of silly with what they're doing. 
The good news for Sprint is that they they lost a lot less money this quarter uh, than they had last last period, and so that's good news. They've got a lot of people uh, that are still coming to them because of the unlimited iPhone plans that are out there. LTE is certainly going to help. Um, you know, churn was up, uh, you know, two tenths of a point. Uh, it's still under two percent. Um, not solid numbers, but uh, not horrific uh, by any means. So, you know, what's really going to then hurt them here in the future is what's going to be happening with the LTE network. And of course, the next story that you've got uh, up is going to be the real question mark. You know, it's, uh, you know, the, the they've sold a million LTE devices, but once people realize they actually don't have LTE yet, uh, at least m- most people right now, I think it will kind of hurt them in the long run because, oh, we've got this great LTE iPhone here for you and this great LTE iPad and iPad mini it's fast. You get it home and you start using it and it's not fast because you don't actually pick up LTE. Even though the device is capable of it, you're not getting it. And I, I don't think consumers really quite understand that disconnect between saying your device has LTE versus actually not getting LTE on it. Let's talk a little bit about about what you're referring to here, and that's Clearwire. And, and they made an announcement this week during their earnings call where they said that the, the planned number of TD, TD LTE employments um, is dropping. They initially had said they were going to do 5,000 sites across the country. They're now saying it's going to be more like 2,000. And that reduction is said to be better aligning of what their build-out is going to be with that of Sprint. Uh, of course, Sprint is planning to offload some of its LTE traffic on the Clearwire network in lieu of building its own infrastructure in certain areas. Sprint devices that take advantage of the 2.5 gigahertz network won't be available until mid-2013. 800 TD LTE sites will be live for Clearwire by the end of the year and the full 2000 by June of next year. Uh, In their earnings results, they said they now have 10.5 million total subscribers, including 9.1 million wholesale customers, i.e. Sprint. Churn for the carrier uh, rose to 5.1%. ARPU fell to $45.06. In addition, I think I saw a story this week saying Sprint's uh, deployment uh, of LTE is also behind as well. And they're running um, months behind their planned rollouts of their LTE network as well. And and they're falling further behind due to just uh, hardware uh, availability. They can't get the equipment in fast enough and probably uh, manpower and, and probably other things going on behind the scenes as well. And I, you know, I think there's there's going to be a little bit of that that continues on here as as they try and figure out how they're how they're doing their deployments here and as they're doing their testing and uh, probably trying to you know get things perfectly um, aligned the way that they want them in their launch markets and it may be uh, not quite as aggressive as they originally thought it was going to be and so I'm not I'm not surprised by that uh, if you look at how Verizon has done it I mean they're now 400 plus markets and you know they really have it dialed in how they have to do these deployments and so. As Sprint is trying to figure this out, I think it's going to take them a little bit of time. So, uh, but uh, th- those are the uh, the main carrier announcements that we heard. Uh, we're still waiting to hear from T-Mobile. We should have their earnings here, I believe, next week, if not the week after. Uh, but uh, let's jump into some manufacturer numbers. First off, LG releasing its Q3 earnings. They had a net profit of 138.6 million. That's up significantly from the 366 million dollar loss that they experienced a year ago. 
Mobile devices uh, were a big part of the gains. 14 million devices shipped during the period, half of which were smartphones. LG says healthy sales of LTE smartphones in Korea, Japan, and the U.S. are the main factors. They expect to further increase shipments, and revenue will also increase in the fourth quarter with the global launch of the Optimus G. Samsung reporting their results as well. They had record numbers for sales and profits during the period. Smartphone revenue hit $47.5 billion, 26% over the same period last year. Profits reached $7.4 billion. That's up 91% over last year. The mobile side of Samsung accounted for about half or $23.9 billion of their revenue. They sold about 58 million handsets in the period, 20 million of which were the Samsung Galaxy S3 variants. The handset division created $5.12 billion in profit, making up almost 70% of the profits for Samsung. And then HTC, like a tale of two cities here, they announced its Q3 earnings, posting a net profit of only $133 million on $2.4 billion in revenue. The results were a drop of 80% over the same period last year, and cash on cash has been halved for the period, now at only $1.7 billion. Per their press release, the company says China is the key driver for their growth, and the U.S. has performed in line with the company's expectations. HTC did not mention how many devices were shipped during the period. And finally, Apple on Thursday announcing its fiscal fourth quarter results, reporting at $36 billion in revenue and $8.2 billion in profit. The results of $8.67 per share missed the street's expectations of $8.81, though the profit overall was up $1.6 billion over Q4 of last year. Apple reported total revenue of $1.56, or uh, excuse me, $156.5 billion and net profits of $41.7 billion for the fiscal 2012. Those were both company records. Apple shipped 14 million iPads and 26.9 million iPhones during the period. That's an increase of 58% over the same period last year for iPhones. For the period, 44 million iOS devices were sold during the September quarter. The App Store now offers more than 700,000 applications, 275,000 specifically for the iPad. Apple shares fell around a percent in after-hours trading. And in total, uh, 200 million iOS devices, 58 million iPads, 35 million iPods, and 190 million iCloud users are out there. Big, big numbers here from Apple. Yeah, they've uh, they just continue to just dominate the uh, the market here as far as kind of the the profits and the devices go. I mean, obviously Samsung is huge as well, but uh, you know Apple just keeps becoming more and more uh, a big player. Yeah, and I I don't have any uh, you know I don't have any idea for you know these carriers or these companies and and how they're. Other expectations are going here. I, I'm, I follow them, but I, at the same time, I don't follow them close enough to uh, to really know ahead of time really what's going on. But um, you know, hearing some of these numbers, I mean, the, for the most part, you've got the big two here, and we're going to get here to these in just a second as far as worldwide shipments are concerned. But uh, you know, Samsung, Apple, um, you know, and, and to a certain extent, LG all have to be pretty happy about what's going on in the space today. What's really interesting about Apple is how much it's become just a mainstream, you know, the, the, the tech analysts really, really talk about Apple constantly now because all eyes are on them and because they are the biggest now and, and they've really gained this just awareness in the market. So it's really, a, it's kind of an interesting dynamic now with, with how they are a public company. You know, we've had some leadership changes. We've got a bunch of devices. It's really going to be interesting to see what happens with them in the future here on, on how it, uh, on how you know, since they are the top, you know, you know, what, what goes up must come down. You know, you start wondering when is it that they're going to start losing their direction or losing their path? Uh, and that's kind of what the big question mark is. Now the, the focus is on because they really are 
a target because they're getting so big and, uh, you know, and so prevalent, you know, I start thinking of Microsoft from the mid nineties and, you know, kind of Google of the, of the two thousands. And it, it really is going to be interesting to see kind of what, what happens in the next five years. And it's, I don't think it's going to be anytime soon here. Uh, at least it's not showing from the latest numbers. Shipments worldwide of mobile devices grew 2.4% over last year during the same quarter. 445 million handsets were shipped and the number of smartphones increased by 45%. It's now at 179.7 million. Samsung led the pack. They had 56.3 million units that accounted for 31% market share. Apple was next at 26.9 million. That's 15% of devices worldwide. RIM remained in third with 7.7 million units or 4.3%. Rounding out the top five were ZTE and HTC, each with over 7 million units and about 4% share the biggest increases were felt by samsung they had over a hundred percent gain zte interestingly had an 82.9 percent gain apple increased 57 percent and then you had the the two that fell those were htc they were down 42 percent and rim dropped as well they were down 34.7 percent so uh it's kind of nothing really surprising there based on just the way that you know we talk about things and, and how you if you're someone who follows the industry very closely you you've kind of seen this as well where you know samsung seems to be kind of the the golden child right now and indeed they are as far as the number of units that are being shipped apple of course still plugging along very nicely and uh you know zte the interesting one there where you say well that's that's all right they're doing okay um keep in mind they're up you know 40 or 82 percent uh that said they're still only shipping 7.5 million units worldwide so uh either way uh these are these are very big numbers i think uh and and the biggest thing to to keep in mind here this this number that just sticks out to me 45 percent increase in smartphones so what this means is not only are people buying smartphones but a lot more people are buying smartphones they're replacing feature phones with smartphones they're replacing smartphones with other smartphones this is just the way that things are going there's very few uh, people that are, you know, going out there, unless it's a very specific use case and just picking up, you know, just a generic, you know, 10 key phone these days. No, it's really interesting to, to look at how the market has changed. I mean, it used to be a smartphone was kind of a geeky thing and, you know, it was kind of associated with BlackBerry for a long time, but now, you know, iPhones and even Android devices have kind of become mainstream where the applications there's, you know, the, the Facebook app, for example, and then, um, uh, you know, the few of the other use cases where you've got, you know, the picture sharing Twitter, uh, you know, Facebook that, you know, that, that kind of social media aspect of the smartphone where you can do this on the go, uh, kind of what text messaging and BBMing was, uh, you know, three, four years ago has really kind of taken over and this is where we're at now. And of course we've got so much more prepaid support for our smartphones. It, it really, you know, if you're going to be spending the money on a mobile device, why not get these extra features in it and, and, and increase kind of the capability with the cameras and, and everything uh, associated with it? And that's kind of, I think, where we're really at now. It's, it's mainstream completely. I'm not feeling any need to go and pick up a feature phone these days. There's, uh, you know, there's very little compelling to do it. Uh, you know, I mean, even if it was a second or third line, I mean... You still want to get you know something that you can do more with, even if it's if it's uh, primarily for phone calls. I, I I find myself looking at you know maybe you know is the BlackBerry the feature phone of today just because it doesn't have a full web browser, but you can still do everything else. I mean there are there are certainly smartphone options that are out there for someone who doesn't need like every single feature that's out there and say the latest Android device. Yeah, and for me, you know, a smartphone was something that I always, always, always wanted. Even when I had the StarTac back in uh, 1999, when I first got that on Sprint, it was uh, they had a Palm integrated 
uh, phone at the time, and I believe it was a Samsung, where they it was the the, the grayscale uh, LCD screen that that had basically a, a Palm Pilot with a with a phone plastered on the back of it, and that was always a device that interested me to have that you know smartphone integration, and and when once the uh, the Samsung uh, i five hundred came out, the the Palm Pilot clamshell, I was on that device, and I've been on a smartphone ever since and that i think that was about 2005 uh 2004 2005 is when that device got released and you know for me it's uh, don't look back because i want the digital organizer the pda with me at all times well it's just one of those things that just makes sense you know to to have something that you can put all that information in so you don't have to carry something extra uh you know it's replaced so many things for us today uh you know organizer flashlight in many cases oh Uh, i use that constantly mickey i use that i like five six times a day mm -hmm. on the phone it's, it's bizarre and, and we have we have all these other you know artifacts from you know a decade gone by where you've got flashlights you know sitting on chargers in the corner you've got you know point and shoot cameras you know you've got alarm clocks that are just you know up on a shelf in your closet now you've got this that I mean it's, it's GPS it's, device handheld GPS devices uh, I mean, date plans goes on yeah uh, Rolodex yeah yeah exactly there's uh, task lists or you know little whatever it's there's so, so many things. So, yeah, it's uh, it's it's unbelievable. Smartphone growth uh, is still continuing here, of course, uh, worldwide. Uh, we love to hear these numbers worldwide to see just what's happening here and the trends and whatnot. Uh, certainly a little bit different than what's going on here in the U.S., but at the same time, the leaders that are leaders worldwide uh, are what they are and uh, doing very, very well. Bringing it back to the U.S., Sprint on Monday announcing an expansion of its 4G LTE network to multiple new markets. Those include Hutchinson and McPherson, Kansas, New Bedford and Fall River, Massachusetts, Wichita Falls, Texas, and an expansion in the suburbs of Chicago. The new networks, uh, the new market networks, that is, bring the total offerings to 32 nationwide. Sprint on Wednesday announcing that starting Sunday, November 11th, new 4G LTE rate plans for tablets would be available. Sprint touts the plans as 20% cheaper than the competition and will have four options of no contract plans starting at $15 for 300 megabytes and maxing out at $80 for 12 gigabytes. There will be no activation fees for the time being when activating a new device. Customers that already have Sprint service will be able to add a one gigabyte tablet plan for $15 while 100 megabyte plans will be just $10. Finally, in the news, EE Monday announcing that new 4G LTE plan pricing would be available, including all bundles with unlimited calls and texts on a 24-month agreement. The new plans will be segmented by the amount of data available. Plans starting at 500 megabytes per month for 36 pounds, and they top out at 8 gigabytes per month for 56 pounds. Pricing for devices will be dependent on the amount of data that is chosen. Well, each week we talk about the Cell Phone Junkie Unlocked, and you can help support us by signing up for it over at thecellphonejunkie.com. The Unlocked podcast is our twice-a-month show offering in-depth conversations about the latest in cellular issues, interviews with industry experts, and much more. Sign up is easy. Just visit, like I said, thecellphonejunkie.com. Click on the link for TCPJ Unlocked over on the right side and choose from either a monthly or quarterly membership. A big thank you goes out to everyone that subscribes. We've got a great show coming up this week, especially if you're an Apple fan. We've got a special guest on the show. It's one you're not going to want to miss. No, it's a lot of fun talking to him, and it really is a, you know, this is kind of the, the, the market leader right now, and this is kind of what we unfortunately, you know, for the Android fans out there, end up focusing on just because it is, 
you know, something that makes the most news and, and it, it seems to be important to a lot of people as well. Um, so unfortunately, you know, it's another, another Apple, uh, Apple round of, uh, discussion, but you know, it, it does put things into perspective as well, as far as the other, uh, devices that are out there. Actually, I did not mention who it's going to be. It's Renee Ritchie of iMore.com. So if you uh, know Renee and know the iMore site, you're going to like the show. And with that, let's talk about what happened Apple-wise this week because it was big. They held an announcement uh, in San Jose, California, multiple new products, including the new iPad mini and revamped Mac computers. Stats about the state of Apple included that they've now sold five or they had sold five million iPhone five handsets during the uh, handsets opening weekend. They have three million new iPods that have been sold to date. iOS six has now been installed on 200 million Apple devices. 300 billion iMessages have been sent. 35 billion apps have been downloaded from the App Store. 400 million iBooks have been downloaded. There are over 700,000 apps in the App Store and over 275,000 iPad apps and further 100 million iPads have been sold. So we've got uh, an iPad mini that has the LTE capability on. That's, you know, very interesting. We saw expansion of the, uh, you know, we now have an iPad uh, fourth generation where they added Sprint LTE and a bunch of global uh, support for the, the, the iPad with Retina is what they're calling it still. Uh, it's got the same name. It's fourth generation, but it's got some new capability on the cellular side of things. What I find kind of interesting here on the cellular side is that the new MacBooks, uh, like the, the MacBook Pro Retina, we don't have any 3G capability built in. Apple now has all these relationships with the carriers worldwide and, and Qualcomm for the chipsets. I'm a little surprised that we don't have LTE built into some of the new uh, portables uh, from from Apple because of the, the, the ease of use. And of course, the speed of LTE is pretty spectacular. And I think a lot of people would probably benefit from having that built in. I think I would uh, I would like that. I think you know, especially if you you know you look at what they're offering right now, it's you know ten bucks uh, to add on a tablet to one of these share plans. I think computers uh, are twenty. $20 yeah, the, like yeah. Verizon, I think is twenty. I'm not sure what AT and T pricing is. Either way, though, it's not a it's not a, a bad price if you're someone who's using it quite a bit and to save the battery that you may have on either your tablet or your phone when you're using it to tether. Uh, you know, it, it, it is very uh, it's very interesting. I think that's going to be the next frontier if they really want people to continue to use the LTE networks. They're going to have to build it into things like this. Um, I, I don't see this happening, of course, on the desktop side, because why? I mean, you can easily add a dongle. No, it's no, of course. Yeah. Stationary thing. But, uh, you know, on the t- on the you know, the laptop side, certainly that would that would make a lot of sense, especially with these these ultra portables that I know that we have. So, um, you know, lots of uh, lots of stuff to offer here. New Mac computers. The 13 inch MacBook Pro now has retina new Mac mini options, including an option that gets you uh, a core i7 processor. I believe it is all the way up to 2.5 gigahertz quad core there. Uh, and then you've got a new iMac that will be out here later this year new screen new design uh you know two the sizes are the same but um you know you've got some some interesting things happening there if you're someone who likes the mac desktops uh and then of course these new ipads so lots of different announcements that were out there today let's talk uh, just briefly here about the ipad uh you know the the fourth generation ipad with the retina display same size uh, same weight, same capacity options, same price. The real differences here are that it's got an A6X processor that doubles the performance of the A5X that's found in the third generation iPad. You've got a FaceTime HD camera on the front side. Joey, you mentioned you've got Sprint involved. You've also got global LTE options, not just North American options. It's got faster Wi-Fi, the multiple in, multiple out, MIMO stuff. Also a lightning connection on it replaces the 30-pin dot connector. 
And uh, obviously, same pricing and configurations here. Now, as someone who owns a third-generation iPad, at this point, I don't see a compelling reason to upgrade. Sure, it would be nice to have it be faster. Sure, it would be you know a, a good thing to have a FaceTime HD camera. And yes, it would be nice to finally start to standardize this uh, Lightning connection, which has only been out for a month, but certainly now I'm feeling... The, uh, the older 30-pin connector is, is being a little bit bulky, but all of those things are not things that are going to make me want to change it. If you would have come out and said, okay, we are going to make it 20% lighter, if you were saying it's going to, you know, maybe the design is a little bit different. I, I don't know what else that you're changing about it, but none of these things are really making uh, me feel compelled to make a change, at least not today. Yeah, not me either. The, you know, the LTE is still is very interesting to me, but but uh, I don't really tether that much unless I'm, uh, you know, on vacation kind of thing. Well, maybe not on vacation or just on a trip where I'm not at, uh, you know, not in Wi-Fi area uh, where it becomes an inconvenience to then tether to the iPad. I mean, it, it takes, what, two, two, three taps to get it to uh, kick in on the iPhone now. So that's pretty easy. It, it, you know, so LTE, not having that. And plus it saves 10 bucks a month anyway. Uh, okay, so that's not a huge deal. The retina display would be very, very great. I, 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 of course, don't get me wrong. I would, I would love to have that. But to me, even from the iPad 2, I don't quite see the compelling reason quite yet to, uh, to make the jump. However, you know, if you are on an iPad 2, I mean, I haven't played with one physically yet, but the speed increase has got to be beyond spectacular because i know coming from like the ipod touch uh fourth gen which is the same as uh, same processor as the iphone 4 moving to the iphone 5 here I-, I can't even begin to describe how fast and smooth this iphone 5 is in comparison i mean it it, it, it it's like the ios but it's not because it's just so much better i think there's um you know there are a couple of uh, a couple of things that really made it for me with the third generation iPad. First off was the LTE. That was huge. Um, obviously, the retina display as well, which that doesn't change with the fourth gen. Um, you know, certainly the the A5X processor is the, the I think it's, it's dual core, right? So that's the processor that will allow you to then do things like uh, AirPlay. Um, so that, that I would have a problem if I didn't have the AirPlay ability uh, in there. Um, so, but these things, these are not th- these things with the, like the lightning connector. Sure, that's Okay, fine. But I look at it on the flip side. I I say I still have 30 pin cables around. I'm still using them regularly. This is still a really big device. And proportionally, the 30 pin is not that big of a connector on it. I've got a, 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 you know, an alarm clock dock that I have sitting on my nightstand. Don't mention, don't forget about the comment from 15 minutes ago about replacing our alarm clock because I still have an alarm clock on my 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 uh, nightside table. But it also charges this, and that's something that without a connector I wouldn't be able to do with Lightning. And uh, I, I just don't seem really seem to mind that. And I've never once thought that this is a slow device. I'm sure once I try the fourth generation, I will notice it. Um, but I, it's not something where I, it, it feels necessary to me at this point. Um, some people will feel absolutely feel differently about this. I, I totally get that, and I totally understand that some of these are more important things to you. But uh, for me, uh, I'm not going to be upgrading, at least, again, not today. Well, in a tertiary device like this, it really doesn't warrant a yearly upgrade like, you know, an iPhone does for you, mm-hmm. Mickey, because you're you're not using it nearly as much, not nearly as frequently. The advantages don't really, uh, they really can't be justified by the, the, the price because you have to sell your third generation for, you know, a number for 300, 400, 500 bucks, somewhere in that neighborhood, you know, and then the difference you'd have to spend is still three, four hundred dollars. Is that going to be worth it for the one year of use? 
additional of this device it really isn't in and you know ipads and and you know you know the fourth devices if you get an ipad mini now you know you really can't you know for most people really justify getting one of these upgrades every single year it, it you know two to three year cycle is more so what does make sense like uh, renee had mentioned on the unlock show uh, that's upcoming yeah and there's there's a lot of there's a lot of nice stuff with you know the 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 iPad mini and let's, let's kind of transition over to that because it's lighter, uh, 53% lighter. It's thinner, 23% thinner than the current, uh, third generation and or fourth generation. Um, you know, it, it has a 7.9 inch screen, which is easy to remember because the original iPad is 9.7 inches. Uh, but it's got the 1024 by 768 resolution, which makes perfect sense when you think about how developers are going to be working with this uh, with this device. And that's that it is the same resolution as the iPad 2, or exactly half of the resolution of the third and fourth generation iPads. Yeah, exactly. And it, it makes it easy. It's kind of the same as the iPhone transition from the, the iPhone screen from the 3GS to the, the, the 4S where they have, um, uh, you know, just doubled the, the, the pixel resolution. And, and, and of course, they're still selling the iPad 2, which is interesting. It still has the 30 pin dock connector. And it's, um, it, it's going to be uh, basically going to keep this 1024 by 768 resolution now for I, I don't know how many years we can plan on this because if they're releasing, you know, new iPad mini product with this resolution, uh, and the iPad 2 is still for sale. It's it's going to be quite a while we're going to see this. Hard to uh, see what they would do with a Retina here. I mean, certainly putting in a Retina uh, on this small of a device, you wouldn't necessarily want it to be the same resolution where it's the 2048 by, uh, what is it, 15 whatever um it, it just it's way too much overkill i mean the, the dpi would be awesome but just overkill well it's overkill because then it would be like 300 some dpi where you can't even see it but then the problem becomes battery and then processor uh, you know graphics processing to, to to drive that but you can't just arbitrarily pick a higher resolution and that's the problem apple would have if they could have picked the whatever it would have been to uh to to meet the retina style dpi to for an iPad mini for that, uh, for that 7.8 inch screen or 7.9 inch screen, but they, they, they can't because then you can't just scale all the apps directly to that from the app store. You have to have even double, you know, uh, double the, the pixel to get it to, to look right. Otherwise it would look all cruddy and every single app would have to be written custom for that particular platform. And that's just not a very viable thing to do, uh, at least at this point in time to have that support. So they're stuck with that resolution, unfortunately, or fortunately, because they they believe in it and they think it's really you know solid and good, and they don't need anything uh, outside of that. But um, you know, look at look to this to be probably where we're going to sit with the you know the, the mini version of it for at least the next probably cycle uh, after this one as well. Uh, during the event, Apple did quite a bit of comparing uh, to devices that were seven inches, such as the Google Nexus Seven. It's talking about how that uh, the the mini is thinner, lighter, and has more screen for browsing. In fact, they say almost 70% more screen for browsing. Uh, the 329 price point for the Wi-Fi model only. Uh, some thought that was a little bit high, but uh, you know, certainly when you've got uh, an iPod Touch that starts at 299 and it's only a four-inch screen, you know, having something this much bigger, I think there's some sort of you know mental block to get over there, and, and probably didn't want to have it cheaper than that. So I understand that. There will be a cellular version. It will be $130 more, just like the full-size iPads. Pre-orders are going on right now. If you uh, still want to get one, you may get lucky. Um, you know, looked for this one to be in, you know, certainly demand, uh, but I'm not sure exactly how much demand that's going to be. The white ones sold out in like 20 minutes, but there are still black ones available up to 24 hours later. 
I mean, with Apple products now, we, we never see this, uh, you know, three, four month, you know, two month delay here. I mean, they're usually a couple of weeks out, uh, you know, even if they quote unquote sell out, they never really are out for months at a time. Uh, so yeah, don't feel the absolute need to go rush and uh, pre-order this. Go, go wait and see it at the Apple, uh, Apple store in person to see if this is the device for you. Shipping starts on November 2nd, and you'll be able to see them in stores that day as well. So go check it out if you are interested in any of these new products. Best Buy on Sunday made the Nokia Lumia 920 and HTC 8X Windows phones available for pre-order. Uh, both the Windows phones uh, are ones that will be upcoming here. We've got the 920 available for $150. The 8X for $99. Two-year contracts are required for both. No shipping dates were listed. Nokia on Tuesday announcing the Lumia 510. This is an entry-level handset slated towards emerging markets. Features include a 4-inch display, 5-megapixel camera, 800-megapixel hertz processor and windows phone 7.5 the device will be priced below 205 dollars and will be available to buy starting in november in india china south america and asia verizon and at&t this week announced their variants of the samsung galaxy note 2 they said they would be available for 300 dollars, and both will of course have two-year agreements the pre-order pages for both are now live at&t's model expecting to ship on november 6th verizon's on november 27th t-mobile on wednesday releasing the galaxy note 2 offering the smartphone for 370 dollars with a mail-in rebate and new contract so keep that in mind it's a 50 dollars mail-in rebate meaning out of pocket is 420 dollars and that includes a new contract. The quad-core handset will be available in marble white or titanium gray, and U.S. Cellular also announcing the device. It will be hitting store shelves Friday, October 26th. As we talked about, you know, this is going to be kind of an interesting device because it's it, it really has uh, struck a chord. I mean, we bigger is better with Android, and, and you know, you thought four-inch screen. Whoa, boy, that's huge. All of a sudden, we're at four and a half. Wow, this is great. Four, six. Oh, wow. Five. Okay. Five and a half. Okay. It, where is it going to stop? I mean, it's 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 stunning how popular these uh, are going, and we we've really reached the, yeah the ten inch uh, the ten inch phone. There we go. It's uh, it's it, it really is amazing how how popular these have been, and and it's it's great that Samsung is getting this out on many many carriers uh, all at once. I think this really does help them in their and really identify and solidify their brand and their identity of kind of being kind of the Android supplier here. And, and of course this phone is unique and we've talked about with the S pen and all that. So it's, it's, it's kind of uh, it's kind of interesting here that it, it really is taking off. I wish Verizon's was coming a little bit sooner. I really want to check this one out. And if I were to buy one, I think that's the model I would buy because I've got a Verizon account right now and would just, uh, you know, probably want to add this on as an extra line, but uh, I don't know. I, I, it's a lot of money and I'm not sure that it's the long term going to be the right device for me. Yeah, forty bucks a month to add that on. I I don't know. That would be a little tough. I'd I'd almost go the prepaid GSM route uh, realistically and use it on Wi-Fi as much as possible. You know, to kind of have as a device to play with is probably what I would recommend. But it's uh it, it's a unique. It, it definitely is a unique unique device, and the the price point from T-Mobile is pretty interesting at that three seventy. That's that's getting up there. I mean, it it you know you're you're really selling it as a tablet. Uh, as opposed to the smartphone, because you know you, you you're comparing the bar of the iPhone, you know, starting at two hundred, I suppose, uh, typical thirty two at you know at three hundred bucks. So you really are competing kind of with the iPhone, but now you're really you know sliding the scale over to well, this isn't just an iPhone. This is kind of a a mini tablet device. I uh, 
I, I do. I do agree with that. I also think that uh, it's it's a bad move for them to be that high, um, almost you know over four hundred dollars. That is, and that's before taxes as well. Um, you know, I, I just I think I, they're. You know, I don't know if that's a bad move. I think this gives them a little bit. You know, there there is you know pricing something. There, there's a fine line between making it affordable and making it too expensive. But if you make it too cheap. You, you get that feeling that y- you're really not getting a quality device. You know, if you spend just a little bit more, you get that, you know, the, it, it solidifies the thing that you've got something a little bit special here. I paid more for this. This is special. And I think this is the price point that they need to be at. And I, I, I've kind of expected this for some time. I almost expected the Galaxy S3 to be more expensive than the iPhone due to its screen size. I really did. Now here's their chance because now they've got the differentiation with the the, the tablet style, you know, the stylus features to start creeping the price up. I mean, we can't hold at this three hundred dollar forever, especially with these huge devices with these huge screens and 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 big huge batteries that are powering them. That it, it's got to give sometime where the, the prices will creep up a little bit. And and here's their chance to do that. So maybe 5.5 inches uh, is as high as we're going to go. And maybe that doesn't sit well with you. So if that's not the case, what's the next Android phone on the horizon to take a look at? How about the Nexus 4? It became available. uh, Available. Wow. It feels like it became available. We know so much about this device already now. and It hasn't even been announced. We've got a, uh, a Google event that's occurring this coming Monday, October 29th, where we're Highly expecting to see this one announced. Uh, it was uh, revealed a little bit more this week over on UK phone sellers website uh, or car phone warehouse uh, on their website, I should say. Uh, specs of the device. Uh, we pretty much know everything about it now. It's got a 4.7 inch screen, 1280 by 768 resolution, Android 4.2. They believe it's still going to be called Jelly Bean, a quad core Snapdragon S4 processor, NFC and an eight megapixel ca- uh, camera. And it uh, looks like it's being listed as having 9.1 millimeters in thickness and only eight gigs of onboard storage. So if that is the case, does this one make you want it? And, uh, you know, is eight gigs even going to be enough for this? I, I, I'm very concerned about that. And I think about all the people that are out there that are now on these cap data plans. And you've got to think about how much data you're going to be using and whether it's video or audio, you're not going to be able to store that much on it. Well, the last time I checked, 4.7 rounds to 5, so I'm not sure why this isn't the Nexus 5. And, uh, and, and no, I, I mean, it's, a, it's got decent resolution, obviously. You know, I'm not sure. I mean, I'm glad this is an LG manufactured phone. I think that this will be very good for LG's brand awareness. Uh, and I believe this will be really good for Nexus users because this will give them kind of a different quality step than Samsung. I, I was disappointed in the hardware build quality of the, the Nexus S, that's for sure. And uh, I think we've got a change here in, you know, we definitely are due for another Nexus to come. But yeah, I'm not sure how this device will be received. The Galaxy Nexus was very successful the first part of this year. Um, I don't know if we'll be able to continue that trend uh, like the Galaxy Nexus really hit um, with with the Nexus 4. I'm not someone who needs to rush out and buy. No, yes, actually, absolutely. I'm going to need to go rush out and buy the latest thing. So I will seriously consider this one. Um, you know, I'm, I'm interested to hear what kind of options we're going to have. Is it going to be international HSPA? Is it going to be is it going to be the Penta band where it can run on AT&T and T-Mobile? Uh, if that's the case, do I opt for that one? Are there going to be any LTE enabled models? Is Verizon going to be a part of that? So a lot of questions, I think, still need to be answered. 
yeah, really. And then, of course, when you get to the CDMA side on Verizon and Sprint, then the the, the updates become delayed, and then it kind of ruins the whole effect of the Nexus. And then it, you know, I, I don't know. Yeah, we'll have to. We you really have to see carrier support, and and it, it boils down to a lot of little minor details that kind of make the experience, you know, either good or bad. And we, we there's a lot of questions still out there. I'm pretty excited though, just to see a new Nexus. I mean, I think that's the the bottom. Oh, line absolutely. Here. This, you know, it, it really is the the you know kind of the the forefront of Android development. It's the 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 reference design, and of course for for you know Android users, it gives you the the chance to get the latest operating system. You know, months, years, if ever, uh, the the latest operating system. I have heard uh, someone that reported. I don't remember who it was that said that Android 4.2 actually may be called Key Lime Pie, could be the next version of Android. I, to me, this is way too soon. I mean, we have any, we're still seeing ice cream sandwich updates right now, not to mention jelly bean upgrades. Do you think it's going to be Key Lime Pie? Do you think this is going to be the next version of Android? You know, I don't have that feeling. I, I really don't I, because we're kind of early now. If they would have put the, uh, the announcement off till December, um, then I would think uh, maybe they would bump the, bump it then because then we'd be at a six month. But I I, I think we're too soon uh, from Jelly Bean. Uh, I'm not sure why they're even changing the major version. Maybe just because we've got you know a bunch of new devices. But it's uh you know it's I'm not exactly sure. I really don't know what will be called. I mean it doesn't really matter. It's another Android update again. I mean it is an update and which just sets everybody behind another step again. And and the the vast majority of people that are still running gingerbread are going to be now you know two three steps behind now yeah and this is uh it, it's a version i think that's going to be incremental and it's going to be you know obviously a lot of fine-tuning ui improvements and stuff like that but no major features upgrade so anyway we'll have a lot more to talk about i'm sure on that one on next week's show finally in devices this week at&t on thursday announcing the xperia tl it will be available online and in retail locations starting on november 2nd for 100 on contract now the TL is the official phone uh, that will be used by James Bond in the new Skyfall movie. It will come with movie videos, ringtones, and programmable or a programmable NFC tag for content interaction. Specs are as same as the Xperia T. That means a 4.6-inch 720p display, dual-core Snapdragon S4 processor at 1.5 gigahertz, a gig of RAM, 16 gigs of storage, 13 megapixels on the camera, and ice cream sandwich with a jelly bean upgrade promised for the future. Well, unlike the the Nokia that was driving the BMW around, I'm not sure if this one's going to be able to drive the Aston Martin around. We have to we, we'll have to watch the movie to see that. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it is uh, it is an Xperia, so maybe we'll see some interesting stuff with it. So anyway, yeah, it's certainly kind of neat though that they do that with the branding of the movies and will appeal to some people, I'm sure. This show is also supported by the Cell Phone Junkie podcast af- application, uh, available for Android and the iOS for $1.99 for the true Cell Phone Junkie. The applications integrate the show's offerings in a simple and effective package, offering reading of PDF documents to follow along with the show notes, following the show's Twitter feed, emailing the show, calling into the show, and listening to the show in the background while you do other things on your device. If you'd like to experience everything that this show, the weekly Cell Phone Junkie Unlocked, has to offer, our iOS and Android apps are for you. Well, T-Mobile on Wednesday announced that it had partnered with Lookout to offer automatic application security software preloaded on devices starting next year. The app will be offered first on the LG Optimus L9 and will require no user setup or interaction. Once the phone is turned on, the software will scan apps on the device for threats, along with restricting installation of nefarious apps. The software will be free to use, though a premium version will also be offered, providing the ability to backup photos and remotely lock and wipe a device for $3 per month. 
Sprint on Wednesday announcing a new app for Android devices that brings the Sprint Direct Connect Now push-to-talk service to handsets. The device support is limited to start, including the Kyocera Rise and additional devices, including the LG Optimus Elite, coming soon. Users can connect with up to 21 participants via a group connect chat. You can also send callers alerts for less intrusive contact and also use the touchscreen controls on devices without a dedicated button. The app is free from the Google Play Store, but does require a direct connect plan for its use. Sprint on Thursday announcing that Android 4.1.1 Jellybean has begun rolling out to users of the Sprint Galaxy S3. The update is being delivered to customers over the air. We've got a lot of questions and comments this week, so let's get right to it. First off, a question from Adam. He says, here's an interesting question for you on AT&T's mobile share plans. Uh, As you know, I am still on WebOS with my Pre 3 as my daily driver. And as an OS, it's still my preferred way to use a mobile phone. But needless to say, there are a lot of apps that either are subpar or just missing as compared to the competition. I've been able to procure some other older Android and Windows phone devices out there and use them on Wi-Fi at my house and then also maybe take them with me and tether with the pre three if i need something with the new mobile share plans and at&t there's no way that i would spend forty dollars to add them to my account since i don't need a phone for or uh, or texting plans on them but is there a way for me to add an account as if it were a tablet for ten dollars for ten dollars i would totally find it worth it to get access to these types of apps such as google navigation on android without having the hassle of tethering any way that you guys can see me getting around this thanks adam well Adam, this is an interesting question and uh, something that I've looked into um, pretty extensively in the past. Um, you know, you have uh, you have a, a kind of a big thing out there, and that is you, you're with AT&T. Uh, it depends, though, on each of these devices, if those are AT&T branded devices, whether or not this is going to work. So uh, let me just start out by saying, if they are, I don't think you're going to be able to use a tablet plan with it. Um, I, I, I had my iPhone SIM card uh, from my iPhone that was put into a laptop dongle. It was in there for only about 15 minutes before I got a message from AT&T that said that I had an incorrect plan for my phone. Uh, so what my guess is, is that if you took a tablet that has got AT&T service on it and you use that to activate a SIM on the, you know, for the $10, then took it out and put it in a smartphone, it's going to recognize the IMEI and unfortunately then force you to choose a plan that's specifically for the smartphone. There's a potential way around this. If the device is not AT&T branded, uh, AT&T won't know whether or not it's a phone or a tablet. It just knows that it's a device that's got uh, GSM and uh, HSPA support. So, for example, if you have like the Galaxy Nexus, you could get uh, the tablet plan activated on a SIM, put that SIM in the Nexus, and AT&T wouldn't have any idea that the IMEI in their system or is not in their system, so they would just let it work. Um, you know, though it sounds like you, be, based on what you're looking to do, uh, you may be rolling the dice here, and there's no guarantee really for how long this is going to work. No, you know, the, that's what's really unfortunate about the, you know, the SIM card. You, you can't just swap it around like you're used to. Uh, you know, we used to be able to and the advantages of it. And, uh, you know, the device database that they have, I mean, I'm not sure how in-depth they are. No, we we had some devices that weren't even carrier branded that AT&T found out about. Either the device manufacturer sent them a big list of, of what these devices are and their corresponding IMEI, so AT&T could add it to their database. I can't remember what phones it was, but there was a, a batch of phones that had that happen, I think. I think you even had it happen one time, but it, it really is kind of tough uh, in that case to try to, you know, say, will this will this work or not? It's one of those things you have to try and then it may work for a while and then stop working. It's, it, it is unfortunate. So the, uh, the other solution for you may be the Pre-3 as the, as the data-only device. And so you take a tablet SIM because the Pre-3, I, I 
was you know not AT&T branded so you could take and put the tablet sim in there take the official AT&T phone sim and put it in the other device uh, and just kind of deal with it that way probably not exactly what you're looking to do but that could be a way around it as well the bottom line here is that there's mixed stories of success out there um, you know and technically it may work uh, but the carrier may find out what you're doing and start try to charge you for a different level of service i.e. one with a phone and text plan on it so anyway give it a try though um, if you decide that this is something that you want to do and please let us know how it goes we'd love to hear about it next one is a comment from mike he says mickey just letting you know that i went to a t-mobile store as you suggested to purchase a nano sim they seem to be selling them for twenty dollars instead of the one dollar since i'm not a current customer i had to pay for an activation kit for fifteen dollars which brings the total to thirty five dollars the cost of the activation fee i think i read that some current customers were able to call t-mobile and have them add a note into their account to get the nano sim at a discount rate but i just wanted to let you know mike what's well, kind of disappointing isn't it i mean that is all you're doing is buying a sim and they're going to charge you twenty dollars plus an additional fifteen dollars for the activation kit i i don't like that if they want people to be using their service which is a budget service uh with budget plans why are they charging 35 dollars like the big guys are it shouldn't be that way it should be you know maybe five bucks I would think so. But, you know, there is a fee, you know, there is overhead associated with starting up accounts. I mean, I, I, I get that. So I, I guess, but still, it, 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 it's, you'd expect to be a little bit less than that. Yeah, I would. And uh, I actually may be in this situation here coming up, if uh, depending on what happens with the, the next uh, Nexus here. Uh, if I decide that, you know, there's no Verizon option and I want to go GSM, and if they do support T-Mobile's uh, stuff in it, then I've got this T-Mobile SIM that I still have here. I could easily take that and uh, reactivate that. Hopefully, I still actually, I maybe have killed the SIM if it's been too long, but hopefully I'll be able to reactivate it. Take that SIM and uh, pop that in, and that'd be on T-Mobile. So uh, if that's the case, I may do that, even if it's just for a single month, just to just to play with it and, and see how it works and, and go from there. So uh, either way, though, Mike, thank you very much uh, for that, although not really exciting or uh, you know, kind of troublesome news. Next up here, a voicemail from Josh. Hey, Mickey, this is Josh calling from Walk Hill again, recording on my iPhone 5. So I did find a small problem with Verizon, and it's kind of interesting. I had a uh, someone that I was texting basically right when I got my iPhone, and they would never respond, and I couldn't figure out why. So finally, I got a chance to talk to them beginning of this week, and we had a good conversation, asked if they received any of my text messages, and they're like, no, I haven't. Well, they don't have an iPhone. Um, and a lot of other, a lot of my other friends that I talk to that don't have iPhones, some of them seem to get my text messages and some of them don't. So I called Verizon and Verizon has a trouble ticket open on it right now, but basically they've got no idea as to what that could be. Um, my port's way more than 24 to 48 hours old and um, I'm just trying to wait around to see what Verizon can do to get the problem fixed. Um, I'm, I've done, I did the network reset on my iPhone 5. Um, I have not tried restoring the iPhone yet, um, but my suspicion is, is it, I don't think it could be that since other people are receiving my text messages that don't have an iPhone. So these are non-iMessage messages being sent to these people. Um, just trying to see if you have any ideas or thoughts. Um, I did notice I went camping last weekend and the service I didn't have hardly any service nobody did up there but I sent a text at that time because this was before I figured something out figured something was wrong and ironically the text went through and that was the one that uh, that my friend received 
wrong, so I'm not exactly sure what happened or what's going on, but, you know, I'd love to hear from you or maybe some of the listeners and see if that's ever happened, uh, especially with the port or with the new iPhone 5. Thank you very much. Have a good one, Mickey. Bye. Josh, thank you very much for the voicemail. So the issue of text messages not arriving is interesting. And uh, when he actually first sent uh, this comment over, it was the first I'd heard of it. But Less than four hours later, I was talking to a family member who has the exact same issue uh, with texting here. Unfortunately, though, I I haven't been able to find any good solutions to this. I did a little searching. Um, I I didn't really find anything that seemed to to replicate what exactly you were talking about. But um, it was someone who was texting from an iPhone to someone else who had um, a a Droid X, I think it was. And uh, same thing where they, you know, sometimes some people weren't getting the texts. um, But, you know, of course, other people were uh, just very... Very, very strange issue. I, I I don't know. I'm going to throw this out to the listeners out there. If anyone has heard of this situation, I uh, would love to hear from you. Um, you know, I, I, I again, I, like I said, we heard now from Josh and talking to someone just a couple hours later that said they had the exact same issue. Uh, certainly it must be more widespread uh, than than just this. Yeah, it, you know, to me, it doesn't seem like a phone issue at all. I, I would think it would be more on the network side of things. So it's going to be probably difficult to deal with it uh and calling them up and 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 hopefully getting a support case opened would be the the route i would take yeah that, that's a good way to go i just thought of one similarity between the two of you it, um you both ported from at&t over to verizon um not necessarily recently his was uh probably about six months ago yours i know has been in the last couple of months so that's an interesting um that's an interesting thing i wonder if that has anything to do with it i wouldn't be surprised i mean because if there's uh you know the the delivery methods between carriers if they're looking at like an older version of the database where it's seeing that you're maybe it's supposed thinks thinking it's coming from at&t but it's coming from verizon it will somehow like delete your message and not uh you know there's probably something like that because your your phone number it, it, there's this weird database and i saw that when i um um uh moved my uh phone from uh i, I did some ports over to track phone from sprint to move the account back to sprint but it, it was interesting i i used the, i referenced this one site that actually had that database and it took you know 10 minutes for it to update the fact that it changed to a different carrier in my case it, it moved to at&t for uh on track phone but if that somehow got stuck i could see that wreaking havoc just like this on there do you happen to have um a link to this that we could take yeah a- it was uh I, i'll find the link but it was actually it had to do with the the, the amber alert uh system it was it, it had a, a site that was dealing with that but somehow it had access to the database so i was just using that as a reference and I, i'll uh, i'll dig that uh, uh link up and send it to you yeah and what we'll do here josh is in the show notes here over at the cell phone junkie.com go to podcasts the cell phone junkie show number 335 and then under voicemail from josh we'll just link that directly back to the site that joey is talking about maybe take a look there uh, who knows if that'll get you to where you need to go, but certainly uh, certainly uh, something to take a look at and explore. Next one is a question from Greg. He says, guys, can you tell me if there's a way to view previous month's cellular data usage on the iPad? I have a first-gen iPad on AT&T, and my wife has the new iPad on Verizon. It seems that you can only view data usage for the month you're in, and once it renews, it's gone. My wife got a message the other day of her on the last day of her billing period that she says she's never gotten before that said the data usage had reached its limit and asked if she wanted to upgrade to a bigger plan and she declined she has no idea that it was actually her last day anyway do you know if there's any way to view the actual account history or a good app or to track data usage 
uh, and store it. You guys rock as usual, Greg. Well, Greg, I'd imagine that AT&T would allow you to view this data online, though based on the prepaid nature of the iPad data card, they may not. But uh, one app that I would recommend, uh, mentioned this a couple of weeks ago, is one called DataWiz. Again, under the show notes, go to question from Greg, and that'll get you a link over to DataWiz in the App Store. It tracks data use in the background. It lets you re- view your history. Uh, it's free. Uh, and, uh, you know, with some use of it over a week, it does, I can say it does what it should do um, with my use of it on the iPhone. Yeah, and there's, uh, you know, Android's got that great data system, you know, in the phone itself. But yeah, Apple's uh, not as easy. I mean, it's more of a manual process as far as the built-in uh, system goes. This is a uh, this is an app that's very similar to what Joey's talking about, that data usage uh, feature on Android. Um, I couldn't tell if it was perfect or not. It's, it's really kind of hard to tell because it's running in the background. Um, you know, it's supposedly grabbing all the information that it's supposed to. But uh, I don't know. It's, it's hard to tell. But give it a try. Data Wiz. Yeah, short of short of logging into the account uh, using the carrier app or anything like that, I can't really imagine a good way to find the previous month's data, at least in an accurate aspect, uh, other than doing something like that. And as a quick note, I'm going to go back to the last story. It's wirelessamberalerts.org. And if you type your phone number into that, that dialog box on that main screen, it will then return uh, your carrier that it, it says it thinks it is at least uh, you don't have it, it actually doesn't submit it until the next step you have to hit accept so you don't have to worry about that but that's that's where I saw the uh, the carrier uh, aspect of the phone number on, on uh, uh, it, it, an easy way for it to look for for you to do the lookup yourself on that yeah and this so this is really interesting because you know I uh, I was with AT&T um, and switched over to Verizon um, and then switched back over to AT&T and now I'm back over with Verizon. And as Joey points out here, um, I did it. I just entered my number and it pushed me right over to the Verizon website. So um, that this is what you did. You entered it in and when you were over on track phone and, and did this and it, it pushed you to AT&T. That's what you were saying? Yeah, because uh, in my area, the track phone, the GSM track phone that I had uh, was using the AT&T network. Um, Pretty much, because I, I had to do this, I had to talk to Sprint about three, four times to get the number ported back from AT&T. Most of the reps said, oh, you're porting your AT&T phone number. I'm like, yes, yes, that's what I'm doing. One person actually in the porting department at Sprint uh, was able to see that it was a track phone, not just an AT&T. Hmm. So uh, he said AT&T track phone, he, he had said. So that was kind of interesting. But, it, uh, uh, you know, so there is a little bit more detail than what they're showing you there. So it's, um, you know, it could be related to the port. I don't know. And, and if it is... Uh, the porting department would probably be able to help you the most if you can get a hold of them. Because uh, Sprint, I know, has a, has a completely separate porting department that usually can handle port issues very, uh, very quickly. Yeah, and this is, uh, this is interesting, a good find here. Uh, check it out. Again, we put a link in the show notes. Going back to an earlier story, this is uh, breaking news that just hit the wire. Uh, because of Hurricane Sandy, the Google event has been canceled uh, for Monday. So there will be no Nexus event uh, on Monday. So uh, who knows when they're going to reschedule it yet, uh, depending on when you listen to this show. This will either be old news or uh, may have been updated. But uh, since then, because of Hurricane Sandy, no Google event occurring on Monday. Let's move on here uh, and talk about a question from Larry. He says, Mickey, I've been going back and forth about what choice I should make. My wife has an iPhone 4S and I have an unlocked GSM Galaxy Nexus. Uh, 
I love my Android very much and I'm very happy with it. But with my wife and her sister and my mother all having iPhones, I'm feeling left out in the easy to communicate circle. So I'm debating picking up an iPhone 5. I've grown from being a fanboy of just one platform to a multiple love for all technology. The one thing that I'm dreading is having to purchase the apps I love all over. Thanks for any uh, help in my choice. Uh, Also, one more question. I see that you had plus one the Edmondo running application. How many miles do you run in a week? Uh, I do about eight miles and I just completed a tough mutter competition. I felt every mile afterwards. Uh, Larry, so uh, Larry, uh, this question is one that we ask ourselves all the time. Uh, The first one that is, you know, kind of like the Coke or Pepsi debate, uh, you never feel like you're going to have a clear winner for everyone. So you just kind of give up with it and you deal with both. And, you know, for me, um, I, I like and use iMessage very, very regularly. In fact, I, I usually know if there's a problem with iMessage, as there was this past week, uh, right away, because I'll have tried to send a message and it won't go through. I also use FaceTime occasionally, but I'm also now getting into some of the other Apple-specific apps. Um, I have mentioned these in the past, but like the Find My Friends um, application is something that I use fairly regularly with family. I also use Notes and Reminders uh, quite a bit now. And uh, I sync those across multiple devices, and it makes them very happy. And it also, so all of these things combined make it, uh, you know, make a lot of sense for me to have an Apple branded phone. Um, it would also make someone, on the flip side, uh, someone who is heavily invested in the Google ecosystem, for them to have uh, an Android device. Let's say you use Gmail, Google Voice, Google Reader, which of course I do all of these things as well. And that's what makes this decision so tough for me. Um, but I think the bottom line is it's all about what you think is going to be the best for you. Um, if communication is your biggest concern and uh, for whatever reason, texting isn't going to be the best option for you, I would uh, take a look at some inter OS communication type of systems. And one that's extremely popular is called WhatsApp. In fact, WhatsApp uh, announced that they are sending, I, I don't remember exactly the number that they said, like 10 billion messages a day or something like that. It's its far more than uh, anything that iMessage is doing. So there's just you know millions of people around the world that are using WhatsApp. Um, it's larger than iMessage, like I mentioned. Uh, and, you know, and it works across Android, BlackBerry, Windows Phone, iOS. So check it out. Um, I have it on my device. I don't use it all that often. I've sent just a couple of messages with it because usually it's either texts or iMessage in my case. But um, you know, if it's something where you want to have a group conversation, that could be a good way to go. And for your iOS family, uh, it does, of course, support the notification system. So it would pop up just as nicely for them and they shouldn't have any issues. Yeah. And, you know, the moving to the iPhone to, you know, it's kind of weird how the, the, the platforms are kind of divergent, but then they're kind of also similar. You know, you'll find more Android now features on the iPhone than you did before. And then, but Android's got some other features that you're not finding now. And, you know, having consistency, uh, especially with with close members of your family is very convenient. Like you said, the find my friends, I, I would never dream about using that because I don't like you, Mickey, are the only one that I know with an iPhone. So I, it isn't that uh, isn't that helpful, but there, you know, it, it it's it becomes easier because then all of a sudden you've got shared photos. What if you want to share photos and they just pop up in the photo stream? And and if you have an iPad or a a, a, a PC with the iCloud thing, the the photos just pop up on my desktop immediately. And the same with Apple and then the iPhone the iPhone shares the the pictures. That kind of stuff makes it that you know more convenient and more fun to be, you know, related to somebody that has the same device, especially at the iPhone, uh, is what I have found recently. The, the photo stream shares are, are pretty interesting. I, I didn't see a lot of value in this, uh, but I now find myself using it quite a bit. In fact, I just used it last night, took some pictures of my son, shot them over to uh, my wife through photo stream, and, and that's it. I mean, it's, you don't 
you're not clogging up email. Um, you're not adding them into uh, you know an iMessage stream where you may just want to send like a whole pile of them. Uh, it just it works out really well. I really think it's a it's a it's a big benefit, and I, I do like it. It was a good uh, good ad for Apple. So um, to answer your last question, Larry, um, I have no idea why I would have plus one the Edmondo running application. I don't even know what it is. Um, and to answer the last question, I run zero miles a week. I don't run. So anyway. Next up here, a comment from Greg. He says, guys, thanks for the airtime with my questions, comments, and your answers. The different classes helped me in choosing the right iPhone with T-Mobile. FYI, my killer grandfathered data plan for $5 per month for unlimited data uh, used to be called T-Zones. My usage has typically been about one gig a month, but I wanted to see if and where it caps or gets throttled. My download speed with my Nokia N8 has been in about the past, in the past, about nine megabits per second. I tethered the phone to my laptop and proceeded to download over 10 gigs of video before giving up. I was amazed to discover my speed continued to be high after repeated attempts to reach a cap. Over two months, I downloaded over 40 gigabytes and the service never slowed, nor did I get any warnings from T-Mobile. Just thought I'd share my results and explain why it's so important for me to keep this grandfathered plan. One more note, the map over at airportal.de is of the 1900 megahertz service sightings and doesn't necessarily correlate to the actual tower locations rather where individuals where and when they received a 1900 megahertz signal the actual tower locations can be overlaid uh, on this website which is over at tmobiletowers.com slash tower search of course i'll put a link in the show notes thanks for that greg uh, greg goes on to say this show shows the actual tower locations and info about the equipment on each tower. Just another cool website for people trying to get an idea of where the coverage is and where it will be in the future. Still not much coverage out here in Portland, Oregon. And I've noticed they seem to be activating 1900 for a short time, then switching back to 1700. Any idea why this may be happening? Maybe just some testing. Even the map shows several locations, but I've driven to most of them. And currently the only one that stayed active uh, was there for only a few days. I don't understand why they're progressing this way. Any ideas? Thanks, Greg. Well, Greg, well, first of all, thanks for the comments. Thanks for the link. Um, you know, and as for why they would be turning them on and off, it's probably just likely for testing. Um, you know, it could be a temp site, uh, like a cow or something like that. That's less sophisticated just to get an idea of how it's going to be interfering with other portions of their network. But, um, you know, T-Mobile has been pretty silent about how, why, and, and what they're doing here with the rollout. Of course, just announcing just, you know, the two, the two cities that they've got service in and, and that's it. So, uh, the sightings themselves, I think are nice to see because it gives people an idea of where they can potentially expect feature service to occur, but not necessarily a guarantee either. So just kind of keep that in mind. Next up, a comment from Rich. He says, greetings, Mickey and Joey. My wife is a marketing professional here in Myrtle Beach and recently started a new job at a large healthcare company with offices nationwide. On her first day of work, she was issued an iPhone 4S, brand new, still in the box. She was very surprised and, of course, very happy. She really isn't sure if she's going to enjoy working there, though, but I told her that if a company uses Apple iPhones, at least they're doing one thing right. They're able to recognize quality when they see it, and I'm sure everything will be fine. My wife agreed and said, well, at least they didn't give me a flip phone or a BlackBerry. I was laughing out loud at that point and said, yeah, right. If they handed me a BlackBerry, I would run out the door and quit immediately. It's funny. Things really have changed in the smartphone market for such a short time. Keep up the good work you do, Rich. How about giving your employee a BlackBerry flip phone? I just did that a couple of months ago. The BlackBerry style that I had actually went to a a, a fellow employee. So there's a a double whammy right there. Uh, Yes, I was a a little chastised for this. But you know what? For our company's needs, we just need phone calls and some email capability. 
we we don't need anything else and there's no reason right now to to upgrade to an iphone because there's zero there's zero way for me for me to justify that because uh, we need email and phone calls and the blackberry does that pretty 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 fine so let me ask you this as someone who's issuing devices though are you getting uh you said you were a little chastised are you getting a lot of pressure though from people to say well where's you know i want an android phone i want an iphone are they just kind of okay with things yeah they're just kind of okay with things they they kind of realize this is the 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 state of things i mean i i, I mention it to them it's a small company so it's not anything big it, it, and i i say well you know this is kind of what we're paying for you know it's it's uh you know i'm i'm, I'm of course exploring the options and, and considering the future uh, of blackberry and, and what they've done and what they're moving to and and uh you know i i get questions of course but nobody's really like oh why do we have to carry this thing around because uh i will allow them to connect uh you know if they have their own personal device i will allow them to connect to it but that's uh kind of the nature of things yeah and i don't uh i'm not suggesting that there's anything wrong you know if you're still on a blackberry issuing a blackberry using a blackberry especially if that's what's uh you know what's you know fulfilling the needs that you have but um Certainly something that's not going to stick around forever. And, uh, you know, we're going to have to move on here. And, uh, you know, Windows, um, Windows Phone is a good option for those that are looking at, you know, some Microsoft connected things or whatever. But, uh, you know, iPhone and Android are, are really the leaders right now. So not surprised that she would be issued a, an iPhone rich. Um, you know, good luck with that. Have fun. Uh, hopefully, uh, you know, tell your wife good luck with her new job. Hopefully it'll be all right. Finally, today is a comment from Dominic. He says, guys, this is a follow-up from my question in show 328. My wife has the unlocked Galaxy Note, and I have the unlocked Galaxy Nexus. My wife is off contract, and I am not. I decided to go with Straight Talk's $45 per month plan. Uh, I did what you advised, Mickey, and ported my number from T-Mobile to Straight Talk. I did the whole process online without any issues, and my number was instantly ported. I took the T-Mobile SIM out of my Nexus and put the Straight Talk SIM in and got a text from AT&T saying my number had been ported. I just want to thank you for all your help. I had not heard of Straight Talk but until I had listened to this podcast. Once I got my wife ported over, we will be saving $100 per month or $1,200 per year for switching, and the service is great. My data speeds are the same as the speeds where they were with T-Mobile. Thank you again, Dominic. Well, Dominic, thank you very much for sharing, and you're welcome. Very glad we were able to help. Yeah, and I'm going to actually, you know, the straight talk thing, uh, you know, how, how you can save money, you know, my, I'm going to get my grandma on that, uh, that, uh, that, that 3G home phone Verizon based uh, box that we had talked about. It's going to save her like 40 some bucks a month on home phone service and have it portable. If she goes someplace, she could actually bring it with her, which she probably won't, but uh, because she probably won't even get the concept of being able to move it. But you know, it's great to be able to save monthly fees like this. And, and sometimes like that, a hundred bucks a month, that's a huge amount of money. I I just, I love that idea because how much is it? It's 15 bucks a month. I think you said, yeah, I think that's what it was. Yeah. I think that's what it was. It's unbelievable when you think about that. I mean, and all you have to do is just take it and and plug it into any, you know, outlet in your house and it it provides the phone service uh, across. It just, I don't know. It baffles me. Is there a dial tone? Did we talk about this already? It would have to. Otherwise, you, you the phone wouldn't work. It has to provide uh, voltage and a dial tone on the line. So, yeah, it's it, it uh, of course it would. Yeah, it's fifteen dollars a month for unlimited nationwide and thirty dollars a month for unlimited international calling. Wow, international for thirty bucks a month. That's insane. I, I mean, I yeah, I, I like it. I, I do like remember this now, and I I'm I'm equally as surprised right now to hear thirty dollars a month for international unlimited calls as I was at that point. That's just crazy. But good news, you know, for those that are looking to. Uh, you know, to get something like this, it's it's a little bit you know a little bit different, and at the same time, pretty uh, you know pretty unique and innovative. 
Yeah, and you, like many people, save lots and lots of money moving to prepaid, either even using just by minutes or by the plans that have come down a lot. Uh, you know, my, my wife was on, on prepaid for a very long time. She'll probably be moving over to it here pretty soon. I would imagine again from the Sprint Cero plan that she's still on. A friend of mine just went to the, 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 he went from the Cero to the T-Mobile $30 a month Walmart uh, data plan. And, uh, you know, this is going to happen more and more, especially we've got T-Mobile moving to the 1900 for iPhones, which will bring a lot more prepaid over to them. And, and the, the boost and Virgin with Sprint have been just constantly going crazy. They have iPhones available. And of course the data plans are a good price. So we're going to see a lot more of this, you know, no credit check involved, no credit score impact by even signing up for service. And, you know, you're getting what you're paying for really, you know, realistically, and you can drop service at any time you want so there, there's a lot of advantages to it and the first and foremost is being the monthly cost and that's a that's a big thing for people uh, as you're trying to cut costs and, and figure out where you're going to be able to line up your expenses here and in today's economy it, it just makes a lot of sense to do so and uh, certainly promote it uh, love to love to see people saving money and glad we were able to help dominic thanks for writing in and letting us know that it's working out for you if you have any questions or comments that you'd like to provide you can send us email to questions at the cell phone junkie.com or give us a call 206-203-3734 we'll get your question or comment on a future show joey thank you very much as always for your time we'll talk to you later thanks for listening for more information about the stories you've just heard visit us at the cellphonejunkie.com. junkie.com